Welcome to Sound Tradition, where we examine the theology, practices, and traditions of the contemporary church. My name is Jason Shirk. And I'm Luke Hitz. Today we're going to be talking about a more practical topic, less of a theolo- theological uh, distance. I don't know how, <laughs> how you want to say it, but less of a theological topic, more something that could be a potential help for those of you who might be heavily involved in ministry, but not yet at the same time full-time in ministry. I wanted to deal with the topic of being a bivocational minister. When you think about it, both uh, both Luke and I c- could consider ourselves bivocational ministers in a lot of ways. I mean, Luke, you want to tell people about kind of what you do in the church here? For the most part, it, now it's just the music. Uh, I, I had before been doing what David was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's pretty much just the music. I, I'm involved in a lot of different things. I, besides music, I sing solos and play my trombone from time to time and uh, I do teach the kids, children's church, sometimes the nursery every now and again in the nursery with my wife, not very often, but yeah. just a lot of little things here and there. Yeah. And then like my function, I, I work as the kind of the young adults group leader, but I teach the Sunday school class. I'm in charge of a, uh, what do we call that? A, a life group that we've, that we've kind of <laughs> yeah. created around, around that group as well. We both serve in the choir. Um, we both try to help out with the visitation program. Uh, I preach periodically yeah. from time to time. Obviously, we uh, we both work on sound tradition, both yeah. with the podcast and writing <laughs> articles for it. Um, also, I serve on the deacon board within the church, and and yeah. many other little things throughout here, throughout the ministry here at the church. I'm also like the 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 go-to guy for the live stream. If something goes wrong. Even yes. if Jason's not the one running it, he's the one you got to go to to get it fixed, and and then yeah. the social media presence and the and digital presence of the church, yeah, as well. That all that all falls on me as so. The difference is, I I had kind of wanted to do these things, but I'm more of a <laughs> wait till wait, you're asked, wait to get permission <laughs> so, or somebody asks me, or yeah, or Jason's like, we need this, so I'm gonna just do this and hope Pastor's okay with it. But, well, which he still gets permission. I'm yeah, gonna, a lot a lot of times I do go to Pastor first, so there are some things that I know are like this is definitely a need and I don't feel like it's necessarily has to be a formal ministry of the church, kind of like the life group thing. You know? Right. Yeah. That's so yeah. that was, there's just an extension of what I was already granted permission to do. Man, it's you know? basically an extension of the, just basically you're more of a go-getter than I am. I'm, I'm very <laughs> laid back. Yeah. But on, on top of that, both Luke and I, we work at Chick-fil-A. Luke works as a team leader. Um, you want to kind of explain what you do as a team leader? Well, basically you're, you're, I'm barely a step above the you know, entry level. <laughs> Just I help with all kinds of things. I mean, really at this point, because of COVID, everybody almost has their exact same job at this point, where you every every day your schedule ends up being about the same. Everybody's kind of fit well, in their nice. niche. That's nice. Our store doesn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because we don't have the inside open. The lobby's yeah. not open, so it's drive through twenty four seven. But you know, it's. There's a little bit of pressure there because you're just trying to get things done quickly, as fast as you can. Although January tends to be slower. Yeah. But we haven't slowed down too much. <laughs> so, yeah, my my job position, I work as the training director for a multi-unit franchise. So I'm over all the training that occurs in both both restaurants with Chick-fil-A. And so that keeps me busy. I have to manage a training crew in each of the stores yeah. and then try to keep up with everything that's going on in both the stores. And on top of that, I tend to also be the go-to guy for all the food safety in the restaurants, um, yeah. because it's part of part of training to make sure those things happen. I'm also in charge of 
inspections and preparing and all that kind yeah. of stuff. The only thing I do that's kind of my thing is the iPads. I keep them up to date <clears throat> and keep the maintenance done because so, uh, it's cold. I don't know what it is with the cold. It's mm-hmm. like we the uh, the the lanyard straps and the there's little connectors that connect the strap that goes around your neck to the iPad. Those have been breaking real easily, and then we use zip ties to replace yeah. it. And the zip ties, I don't know, it's because it's cold weather. It seems like every day I have to replace one, so I kind of make sure they're ready to go every day and charge from the night before. And and I kind of I kind of help with maintenance. I'm not really the assistant maintenance guy. We have a full time <laughs> maintenance guy. Not maintenance, not the right word. Director of facilities. facilities. Yes. That's his yeah. title, but I'm. I'm not officially his assistant, but basically, if he's not there, they ask me how can we to fix, fix that. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of how that goes. So about how many how many hours are you putting in with your with your regular oh, job? About forty hours a week. About forty hours. Okay. See, I'm I'm yeah. guessing because when I go home, I pretty much don't have to think about work. I'm guessing when you go home, they still call you. Yes, I still I got called things. today while yeah. I was brushing my teeth. I'm like <laughs> I, I got to preach in an hour. I'm trying to get ready. See, you I, know, so one of the things I hate about. You know, I don't. I don't want to work a job where they expect me to be on call all, all the time. time. I don't want that. Yeah. I mean, I guess a ministry would be different because in ministry, you know, your people have problems and needs. Mm-hmm. But of course, that's something that I want to do. If it's something I don't want to do, like Chick Fil A, I could care less. Really, <laughs> yeah. it's like, uh, don't leave me alone. I'm, I'm home. I want to spend right. time with my family. Generally, I put in a probably about 45 to 50 hours, and then whatever extra stuff happens when yeah. I'm at home and don't clock in. So, but uh, so obviously you could tell we're we're pretty busy. We do a lot of things, but we have to strike that balance between ministry and our regular work schedules and our families and all these different things. So we wanted to talk today about the struggles of being a bivocational ministry, but not just the struggles, also the blessings, and then some practical tips to help mm-hmm. deal with uh, a lot of the frustration and the and the the busyness that we deal with being bivocational ministers. Now, obviously, neither Luke or, nor I are full-time pastors. If we were at that stage and we were bivocational, that would that would just elevate <laughs> all of this to a whole nother level, to yes, be honest. Yes, it would. <laughs> so. But when you talk about the difficulties of bivocational ministry, you first of all, the most obvious one is time. Okay? Um, let's face it, there's only 24 hours in a day. And as husbands and fathers, we have to juggle work, family, ministry, exercise if I'm ever going to get skinny again. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Study, leading our family spiritually and devotions, our own personal devotions every single day. So there's there's only so much time that we can actually give to each of these categories. And so it just makes it so much more difficult to to juggle all, all of that. Yeah, and I'm I am terrible at organizing. (laughs) I've been I've been in the process the last five years. I don't know if you're like a progress bar of like, mm. uh, I don't know if any of you guys play video games, but you're like of a progress bar and you, you 100% completion, you're I'm maybe at 30% completion. I've been slowly getting better. He hasn't prestiged yet. Being... Yeah, he's just, he's leveling <laughs> up still. So. I've slowly yeah. gotten better at being, I've, I've almost got a weekly game plan. But the prop, now I'm trying to just actually stick to it. Yeah. <laughs> and that's hard. I mean, we have a, I mean, I've got things that are supposed to happen. I've got my schedule for the week done, mm-hmm. but we have my, uh, nephew and niece are here visiting with grandma and then they're getting ready to go back home and we, I've told them we we're going to help him come out to the wood shop and make a box mm-hmm. so we, we spent like all day Monday working on that and my whole schedule went out the window it's like you know there's things that could come up in life and it just messes up your schedule yeah and we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to some of these practical tips and yeah. everything 
I've I've been in management uh, since I started college, to be honest. And uh, in all in all of my years, that's been it, being in management in restaurants and all that stuff. It's kind of helped me develop a lot of these skills. And obviously, I am a Chick Fil A director, one of the busiest fast food restaurants in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a director. <laughs> I'm not just a team member or even a even a manager. I'm I'm the director, and I have to manage systems and procedures and crews in yeah. multiple different locations. So if I don't organize and I don't manage my right. time, it'll, it'll never. None of that stuff will ever happen the way it ought to. You got, and I'm I'm responsible for my training team to also accomplish those things. They're not going to sit there and come up with these plans. I have yeah. to come up with these plans and, right. and and give them to them so that they can get stuff done. So. But another another difficulty that you face when you're in bivocational ministry is your self image. Okay? Have you ever felt like? I am less of a minister because I work at Chick-fil-A, Luke. Oh, yes. Yeah, so, and, <laughs> and honestly, a lot of people look at, look at bivocational ministers that way. Bivocational pastors, they call them, sometimes people call them part-time pastors. You know? Yeah, and there's, there are, I mean, like Jason said, neither he and I are, are pastors. So I was thinking about this. My heart goes out to a lot of men. Mm. They're trying yes. to be a full-time pastor yes. and work a full-time job. Yes. So how in the world? And whether they're getting paid or not, they're <laughs> still putting in the full-time work of a pastor. Yes. You know, it is not a part-time I mean, job. I can't imagine doing what I do now, coming home, just being beat, you know, you try and you, you spend your time with your kids and trying to get the kids to bed and then somebody calls mm-hmm. and you got to go, get up and go. You got to get up yeah. and go to the hospital or yes. whatever and yeah. it's like, you know, that that would be hard. Yeah, and so it's it's easy for us to slip into feeling like we aren't d- actually doing ministry because we aren't full time. But honestly, yes. w- every everything <laughs> that we do to serve is part of ministry. That's it's part of who we are. It's part of what we do. And so we can't say, "Hey, I'm a pastor or I'm a missionary," but yet we are working in no. in ministry. And we see all these things that we could get done if we could focus on ministry and realize that we just we can't do it all. So we feel like a failure at times. (laughs) I know I struggled with this uh, the first few actually years coming off of the mission field. Um, One, struggling with the failure of having to come off the mission field in the first place. And then not being able to successfully get uh, a ministry going with the refugees in in Richmond. You know, so all all these different things kept beating down on, on me saying, hey, you're a failure because you can't dedicate full time to get these things done yep. you know and with with the ministry in, in richmond that was an hour a hour away so i wasn't there with the people i couldn't dedicate all the time that i wanted to to get it to get it done and so yeah we were limited yeah, and we that, that affected my self-image quite a bit for me the self-image comes down less in the ministry but it's like i feel like i'm trying to be two things mm-hmm. and not my self-image i struggle with my secular job Cause it's like, you know, I don't really, I don't want to, I spend as little time into that as possible because I want to spend my time on other things, Yeah. but I, but I can tell it's okay. I'm not, you know, I know it's not my focus, but at the same time, I know a lot of people are like, what is that guy doing? He's 35 and he's working at Chick-fil-A. You know, what, what's, you know, he's not making money. He's not, you know, he's not making bank. He's not saving for the future. You know, he's, he's doing all these foolish things. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's where I struggle with the self. So, what do people think of me? They probably because I'm still working at a fast food. Right, restaurant. I'm still working at a fast food restaurant. I got six kids. Yep. Everybody's like shocked. I tell you, I got six kids. Yeah, like, you're you're like the stupidest person in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I struggle with that side sometimes. Yeah. And now, like my position with Chick Fil A, I make a lot more money, obviously, than than Luke does. 
but I'm still not getting rich, you know. So it's not it's not like I'm working in a yeah. Fortune 500 company uh, and and getting paid a whole bunch of money every year. So the the other side of this is there honestly there's a lack of opportunity for professional growth when you're bivocational a lot of times because where's the time going to come from for you yeah. to invest in becoming better at certain things to get the skills that you need to to learn more and to fine tune your, your tools that you have in the ministry. I've been wanting to go back and get my master's and doctorate in in biblical languages. That is a goal of mine. Um, but honestly, I can't do it. I can't afford the time right now, you know? (laughs) So I did sign up for a, uh, to audit freely a class from Veritas Baptist college on pastoral administration, just to get some, some information, some some learning in there, so I'm able to kind of work on on my professional growth. But I still, it's like, okay, I have yeah. I have an hour or two this week to get some watch some <laughs> lectures and do some stuff. But yeah, I can't guarantee every week I'm gonna have to do it. And the nice thing is with Veritas is there are no deadlines the way I'm doing it. There isn't even any real homework. It's more of a you work your way the through these lectures and learn this material type of thing. Yeah, so Ama- which is good. Amanda and I started. My well, my brother got us got us doing it, but we were studying Hebrew and mm-hmm. we were trying to get through, uh, basically one year, you know, Hebrew one hundred and one, basically yeah. one semester's worth, and we got most. We probably got halfway through, more than halfway through. Just over time, it was. We're probably was, at the same point then. Cause that's yeah. about what I dropped my <laughs> Hebrew classes. But so. my my wife and I <laughs> and my uh, sister and her husband were all doing it together, and and then my my brother brother was my brother was helping kind of checking in on us how you doing you have any questions but we got a little ways through that and just life got for both of us both couples it just reached a just point where it, it just yeah. kept you know there was like more and more weeks where we were skipping oh we'll catch up next week and and it fizzled out over time but yeah there you know there's things you want to do and sometimes real life just gets in the way things that would be helpful in ministry things would be helpful yeah. for ministry yeah. i i've been off and on working on music projects and uh you know some of them i've are still in work and I've got right now mostly I've just got a list I come up with an idea and I write it down like okay yeah. I should take this song and rearrange it this way right what if I did this <laughs> so I've got quite a few ideas but you know I've got a whole list of sermon ideas written on my phone in my yeah. notes category that hasn't been developed yet so it's just I've got sitting a, there waiting <laughs> I've got a book from college I should go back and reread about uh, conducting because uh, now I'm actually in uh, leading the choir I'm picking out the songs mm-hmm. and doing the practice every week you know and I've not really done it before, you know. I know in uh, I'm not I've not really gone around looking for other churches, but I've, from time to time you 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 see listings or for, you know everyone's experience, you know, mm-hmm. so many years of experience. I said, well, up to this point, I would have said, well, I've got really zero years of experience directing <laughs> a choir, so, you know, and right now I don't even have one. I'm, I'm working on one, but as time goes on, you realize, man, you know, I really need to get better at this. You know, mm-hmm. I need to go back and. Because there's a lot of things I remember from college, from reading the book, but I really need to go back and, and read some of these, up on that. brush up on some of these, yes. and how to do these things, and yep. and uh, come up with maybe a better plan sometimes. But yep. So don't, don't misunderstand us. We carry a far less load than, yes. than the average <laughs> pastor, you know? And and it's not all doom and gloom. I just wanted to start with the negative so we can get into the positive as, right. we, as we go along. So in fact, being a bivocational minister has its benefits and its blessings. One of those is that as a bivocational minister, we have the opportunity of being an example of how a 
true Christian who is walking with the Lord what it should look like in the workplace. Now, I fail quite often to to do all <laughs> that, you know, but we ha we're at least striving to be that. Yes. And, you know, I was thinking about this when we were talking, when I was going over this in my mind. Cause I, I've been guilty of this in my life, thinking pastor doesn't understand. You mm. know, whatever wherever church you're in, wherever you are in America, I'm sure lots of people you've and thought some this. don't, you know. Yeah, yeah and that, that may be true. That they, they, You know, it's like they, they went to Bible, you know, they went to high school, went to Bible college, went straight into ministry. Mm -hmm. They've never had to work a 40-hour week in a factory or, what, or whatever. Ministry, yeah. what, or whatever. And, I mean, even just people, laymen in the church, yeah. you may be thinking, okay, pastor, you're preaching this, but you have no clue what it's like. Yeah. So I can understand maybe where people would say that. Yeah, and that that kind of goes into the second benefit is that that is the idea of relatability. You know, sometimes pastors and Christian workers get accused of not knowing what everybody else has to deal with, and to to an extent, they're probably right in some cases. Yeah. You know? I have been in churches where y you are expected to be at an activity in the church every day of the week, and what time do you have left for a life? after that right. you know where <laughs> what's your family going to do what are how are you going to yeah. get anything else accomplished you've you've funneled all of your energy all of your time into this church ministry and there's nothing left because you go to work the next day you know? yeah so we need to we need to be careful that we don't expect too much of our people when it comes to how much they can do and work the full-time jobs Right. Like having this experience allows us to develop that that sympathy and that relatability mm -hmm. to the things that our people go through. Yeah, it's definitely a benefit for the. So when you're preaching, you're like, mm -hmm. you know, how what would I, you know, what would I have, done, <laughs> what would I know? have done so, in that situation, yeah. you know? Yep. Or you can just say, this is exactly what I did, and it was the wrong thing yeah. to do, or whatever. <laughs> and you think about, okay, well, pastors sometimes they'll get in their head. My people need to be bringing other people to church from work. Why aren't they talking to people at work and getting people to come to church, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, have you worked in a workplace? Yeah. It's kind of hard sometimes to do that, especially like fast food. Yeah. And plus on top of that, my job is 30 minutes away, so the average person at, at my job is not willing to travel that far. Yeah, mine's, mine's like 15 to 20, yep. depending on where they live. That's just where the work is. If they live farther away, you know. And it is hard because you're working and you're not getting paid to, to talk about religion. Although you are kind of building some relationships, and I've had a few chances to, yeah, and I, I try to, to take every to opportunity that I can with people yeah. to talk about religious things. Generally, uh, I let them kind of bring it up, you know, and then we go from there. But. And with Chick Fil A, the interesting thing is a lot of the people that work there are, especially <laughs> in Oklahoma, for the most part, they're church-going people. Yeah. Now they might not be going to a church that's really pushing them doctrinally or mm -hmm. to, or uh, pushing them to grow closer to Christ. A lot yeah. of times these big churches in Oklahoma there they're more just you know religious clubs kind of but. yeah yeah I, I had one friend at work uh, Josiah DeForest if you're out there shout out to Josiah okay but uh, <laughs> I used to love coming into work and being able to just discuss things with him because he was pretty much on the same page that I was you know so his church was maybe slightly different in some smaller areas but it, it gave us an opportunity to talk and to encourage each other um, and honestly, we, we were able to, to help edify each other and, and push each other in that environment. So it was, it was a good opportunity. And like I said, the, being in the workplace and being in ministry allows you to be relatable to the people you preach with, but it's also allowing you to be relatable to the people who don't come to church. 
Yes. You know, because you, <laughs> you know how everyday average people think and work and talk. Yeah. And, you know, the things that interest it's, them. It's interesting how people react to people in ministry, too. Like, mm -hmm. if you're a full-time pastor and people find out you're a pastor, you know, here, example, pastor goes out to eat yeah. and he's got a waiter or waitress. Mm -hmm. And they're just being themselves and they're, you know, they might drop a four-letter word here or there. Even even if it's not terrible, maybe euphemisms maybe not even the full the actual word but then they find out they're a pastor and they'll like start apologizing for the oh, yeah. oh, i'm sorry for yep. my language <laughs> you know and then there's just assumptions that go with the person being yes. a pastor but in, like jason our my case we're not actually full-time ministry but just people know like at my store they know i want to be in ministry yes yep. and even that alone they just they it, it's it's funny the things they'll say like people will work be talking about a movie and i'm like i don't know what you're talking about and or they haven't even got to be yet. Somebody else will say, he doesn't know what that movie is. Yeah. He's never seen that. He, that's not the kind of movie he would watch. It's yeah, like they, it's, they, they put me, they've already put funny. me in a box of what they yep. expect of me. Yeah, one of the running jokes at my store is uh, they're going to vid angel life for me. So, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, yeah. And some of that is good. But, you know, to, to be seen as a normal person, not, you know, the the father with a high collar button who mm -hmm. appears and everybody has to, you know, stop talking because you're afraid of offending this, yes. you know, holy yeah. angel from heaven or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the third benefit is that bivocational ministry gives you the opportunity to have more opportunities with evangelism. A lot of times, one of the weaknesses of our evangelism programs is that we don't develop relationships with people. But when you are a minister in the workforce, you have that opportunity to build relationships with people. And so really, there's a, there's a new term coming out for bivocational ministry. It's called marketplace ministry. And the idea is I'm choosing to be bivocational so that I can have an influence in my community because I'm actually there with my community. I'm working right. alongside them. And that is a bit of a problem in our day and age because we're – we're separated from the world, but we're so separated, we'd never <laughs> we have no contact. <laughs> you know, we we don't even have the marketplace anymore. We yep. go, you know, you go to Walmart, but who do you talk to at Walmart? You know, I go to the self checkout line. You know, yeah, <laughs> I don't even talk to the <laughs> the person at the checkout line. Yeah, and like our little Walmart right around our house doesn't even have cashiers. It's all self. It's all automated. <laughs> so yeah, you don't walk up to people in the aisle. You know, excuse me, sir, I'd like to talk to you about your soul. You know, right, we, I don't do that. And I think one of the best examples of uh, this kind of ministry is the Apostle Paul in Corinth. Uh, Acts 18, verses 1 through 4 says, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought for, by their occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. So Paul, he ministered in Corinth, but he supported himself by making tents along with Aquila and Priscilla. Yeah. And I guess that interaction would have been the, the sales, either like procuring of, like when they were making the tents, I don't know mm. how many people worked for them, they just, it was just them. But, you know, he would have had some interaction with the people they yeah. they bought their, their goods from to make the tents and then the people yeah. they sold them from. Mm -hmm. I, knowing Paul, I don't think he could have kept his mouth shut. Probably not, no. <laughs> <He> <laughs> so, it's yeah. like, by the way, have you heard of Jesus? You know? Right. And yet he, he reasoned every synagogue, every Sabbath in the synagogue as well. You and know? So he may so have invited people to come to synagogue. Here, we're going yes. to talk about. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And so so Paul had that had that opportunity. He made tents so that he could, he could minister to people. But also later on when you read the Corinthian letters 
Paul says, hey, don't think of me as if I'm constantly trying to get money out of you. Because when yes. I was with you, I supported myself. You guys didn't support me. I supported myself <laughs> by making yeah. tents, you know. And that, that, that leads to the fourth benefit of being a bivocational minister is that it allows you to serve a smaller church that can't afford full-time staff. Yeah. And honestly, this, this might be the, the future for a lot yeah. of churches because we are, we are dwindling in numbers. People are, are stopping going to church. And there's going to come a day, I believe, pretty quickly where evangelicalism is going to be disdained yeah. and looked down upon. And so our numbers are gonna are gonna dwindle even more. I mean, unless we're gonna like all shelter together, right? <laughs> but then you know you're not really reaching out to the world either. Yes, you're yeah. All just, you're a hermitage. We're all gonna <laughs> so. we're all gonna move to the East Coast and join one of the big churches there. I mean, yeah. But I, you know, I thought about that. I think it was interesting. The early church, mm-hmm. the very first church was a mega church. It had three thousand people. You know? <laughs> yeah, but also when you look into that, that that mega church was divided up into house churches. Yes, so it was. It, I think it was because I don't think at any point those three thousand people all gathered. No, they they didn't have together a building except that initial initial hearing Peter preach and getting saved and all that. You know? Yeah, I mean so. they didn't. They probably weren't building giant right. church buildings or anything like that. I doubt it. But there was some kind of an organization. To there it was, still, but there was yeah. still an organization. And yeah. but we, you know, things have changed so much. You know, there was a time when you had the pastor who was may not have been bivocational, but he just he had nothing. He traveled from. <laughs> You know, in America, he'd travel from town to town. He'd and be in he one church. And he off of people, giving him a place to stay and yeah. feeding him. You he'd know? be in one yeah. church one week, and then he had like five churches, so he'd just cycle around. So you, you would only have a preacher show up to preach once every five, six weeks. Yes. And then while he was there, you'd feed him, you know, give him a place to sleep, and he had, you know, nothing. You know, Or maybe he was a tradesman and yeah. trying to provide for himself. And we, we may be reaching a point where we're maybe Gonna not that maybe, back to that. maybe yeah. not that bad, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So taking all this into account, the benefits that are there, the hard part is how do we manage being a bivocational minister? I think that a lot of that comes down to time management plans. Like, like I said, there's this is something Luke's learning more and more about, something I have to practice every day with my type of job. You set plans and you stick to them. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I heard actually from Kerry Schmidt in his course on pastoral administration was to schedule your day but allow some buffer zones around your schedule the reason that's important is because you have to have a plan if you're too loose with your plan you don't get anything done but if you're too tight with your plan all the issues that people have the interruptions that they bring it makes it impossible it makes it impossible and it makes you frustrated and aggravated and so you lose sight of your heart for people because what is the ministry it is people. It's the people, not the it's, plan. <laughs> yeah, it's not the plan. It's not the buildings. It's not the, even the music that we sing. It's the people that we are ministering to. So for, for task management, I've started using an app called Things on my computer. It lets me set up projects and then tasks, and I can prioritize those projects according to how I think they, they need to fall, whether they need this needs to be completed now or can it be completed later. They even have an option for... Uh, push this off till tonight. So, like, when I get home, let's yeah. do this, you know, type of category. <laughs> it's like, okay, because this is my problem. I, I have a schedule, but I come home, and sometimes, like today, my feet were just killing me. Uh, I know what's going on. Don't you don't call in and tell me how to fix my feet. I, I know what's going on. Uh, Luke, 
you need to start working on those feet. Yeah. <laughs> make sure you take take your vitamin C and your essential oils. J- Jason's great aunt is calling in to. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. That's what she sounds like. No. No. <laughs> so, yeah. No, no. I I know what I need to do to to fix it. But just, you know, you come home and you're tired and you're like, okay, I know what I'm supposed to be doing now, but today I really don't want to. Right. And then if you, if you don't have some plan to get it done, then that just got left undone. Yep. Yeah, the next thing is you need to have priorities. Prior, prioritizing is probably one of the things that we oftentimes forget because we just handle life as it comes at us. You yes. know? So when you have children, yep. Jason, I both have children. <laughs> yes. I've got more children. Yep. And talk about something throwing a wrench in your plans. You're, <laughs> You know, and you get you have to manage them, but you have to love them too. You can't yes. just, you know, it's easy for me to say, "Kids, go away, leave me alone." Yeah. But you can't do that forever. You right. gotta. And you gotta have those priorities. So John Maxwell gave the following categories: there are things that are high importance and high urgency. That would be your kid just cracked his head open in the backyard. Yeah. High importance, <laughs> high urgency. Okay. <laughs> You've also got high importance, low urgency. Okay. This is. I need to take my wife on a date. Well, maybe yeah. tonight's not the night, but this week I probably should plan something, you know? Uh, you got low importance, high urgency, meaning this is just a, it's not an important task, but it, it needs to be done now. We got to get this done now. That might be an opportunity for delegation, to be honest, at that point, because this you don't personally have to make sure this gets taken care of. It's not an emergency now, but it's a low important thing, but yet we still are on a time crunch and it's yeah. going to get done. It's got to get done today. Yep. And then you have the things low importance, low urgency, the things that we can we can put them off if we have to. Like bills. So cross those off. Yeah. No. <laughs> cross those <laughs> off our schedule and move them to another day. But even with all those categories, you got to have a structure for your priorities as well. And obviously your relationship with God has to come first in priority. That without your relationship with God, everything else is going to break down and fall out of place and and mess up. If you are not walking right. with the Lord as you ought to be, uh, then after that, your wife needs to be your next priority. Kids can never take priority over your wife. Okay. Yeah, and that's gonna, easy to do when you yes, very big family. Easy. easy for the kids just to, to jump to number one yep. over God. It's like because mm-hmm. they have need. It's got to get they, they and they're they're urgency. very pressing with their needs. Yeah. And by the so. time you finally get done with them, you're just <laughs> exhausted. Like, yeah. So wife has to be priority. And think about it this way. Your wife is going to be with you the rest of your life, Lord willing. Your, your kids, kids are not. I they're going not. to. They're, yeah, hopefully not. They better not be in the basement. So okay. And then after that comes ministry and work. And you're going to have to decide where those, as a bivocational ministry, which one's going to take the priority. Obviously, work is probably taking up more of your time than than ministry when you're in a bivocational setting, because it's how you have to survive. Yeah. You know. The next thing is you need to not waste time. Don't have meetings just to have meetings. You need to set time limits. Say, okay, we got to be done with this by this time. Be on time for things. This this is important because you lose you lose time when when you're late, you know, yeah. and that that all gets sucked away. You can't get it back. Um, having a plan beforehand. How am I going to make this work? You need to sit down, write down at the beginning of the week. Write down a weekly plan. Okay, this is what we need to get done this week. Also, yeah. write down daily plans. This is what I need to get done today and prioritize those things for the day. So have a plan beforehand and then don't wing yeah. it. Okay. So Sometimes we get very good at winging it. And this it. is what I'm really bad at because <laughs> I have it in my head what I need to get done. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why, why, would you, why are you waste time 
writing it down. It'll be fine. But the, <laughs> but the problem is it's not. You, 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 there's things you forget about getting done. Yes. If you don't have something that you can go back and reference. Yeah, so the, this the is writing the it I'm, down keeps you from wasting it. Because I made myself a digital planner. It's on mm -hmm. my phone. It's on my laptop. And I've I've put in a few entries here and there, but I'm I'm I've not yet succeeded at every week filling out this is what everything this week yeah. or daily for work I have to make a plan like that like I said for my whole training crew I do that every Saturday largely be, for the next week largely because I have to wait on the schedule for all the employees to come out before I can yeah. plan training for all of those people and how we're going to make that work but so I sit down and I'll write down that whole schedule out for the entire week figuring out what I can do when and how I'm going to get it done. So the next one is to eliminate things that distract. Both Luke and I, we love playing video games. Mm -hmm. Honestly, <laughs> I don't get to play them very much. It's very rare. Once a month or so, generally, is how often I get to play video games because my life just is that busy. But you're going to have to make some decisions about what you're going to cut out of your life to make for that time. You get, And again, priorities. Yes. Where is, where is entertainment going to fall? on your priority schedule. If you can't get the things that need to be done done, then some of the lower priority things are going to have to go. Yeah. And to be honest, in, in this situation, uh, Jason's really busier than I am. He does more things than I do. So I find more time to play video, to play video games. games than Jason does. <laughs> or, I, or because I'm less organized, I probably spend more time than I should. But it is something you need to have. I, I, I tell people all the time, you need to have something. Because there, yes. there are people in this world they just they're working all the time mm -hmm. that's all they do it's like, and it almost an addiction they're addicted to the you know almost like a video game you know it's <laughs> they're leveling up in life all the time yes. and but they're not they're never resting they're never spending time for really the important things yes, their yeah. families their which and, are the next two points we're going to yeah. be getting to we'll, we'll kind of play into that so you need a break as well i mean god created the sabbath for man for the benefit of mankind one day out of seven you need to rest. And one thing I see, even pastors who aren't bivocational, I see that they aren't taking that day of rest a lot of times. And I feel like they're burning out They're because they're burning candles at yeah. both ends, you know, and they're, they're going to run out of energy. It's going to kill them eventually at some point. You need to take that. That's how God designed man to be. And right. we'd be fools to ignore that. My my break is also my day that I take care of. The next point is that you need to not forget your family. Right. So I have Wednesdays off. Sundays are the only other day off that Chick-fil-A employees get. And where are we on Sundays? <laughs> We're at church. During in the church, you yeah. know. So my day off is my Wednesday. And I allocate that time for my family. And that right. that's where I get the bulk of my family time. I spend time with them each evening as well. Right. But you've got to have, you've got to keep your family a priority because they are your first ministry. God called you to them before he ever called you to ministry. And Luke and I, we both have decent-sized families. Luke has six kids, and I have I have four, and then my brother whenever he's here. So, <laughs> so I have a fifth kid there. But their spiritual growth and my relationship with them must come before my ministry. And that's hard to say for a yes. lot of ministers. But a lot of churches have gotten that wrong to where they have elevated their work, their ministry, over their family. But my yeah. family is my legacy, my life, and my love. It cannot come underneath ministry and priority yep and it, it just becomes difficult because you you know what is seen by the people in your church you know they, they don't see you at home with your family what no. they see is mm -hmm. he didn't 
he didn't come when I needed him. Right. You know, and so the dad, the the father of the home ends up, he breaks all the promises to his kids and doesn't, you know, well, I, I know I said we were going to do this, but I have to do the ministry. Yep. And obviously there's times when there's real emergencies. Yes. But it, yep. you know, and you make the choice for your career, I think, too often rather than for your kids. Okay. Well, I hope these things have been a practical help for you in balancing ministry and your work life. And for those of you considering going into the ministry to just keep these things in mind. As always, grace and peace be with you.